This is an Ion Annapolis bonus podcast. Well, we're sitting here in the Fellowship Hall of St. Martin's Church, uh, surrounded by boxes that look like they just came off of perhaps a ship, but probably, I'm guessing, a truck. But we're here with the pastor of the church, Reverend Dave Oravec. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, making the trip over here to St. Martin's. We appreciate it a lot. You know, you know, it was a long trip for me. I mean, it was probably about a mile and a half. I was right. toying with the idea about riding a bike up, but... Coming up Hilltop Lane is a little bit challenging sometimes on a bicycle with the traffic and everything else. But uh, but thank you for in- inviting me in. And I know that we do want to talk about a new and exciting exhibit that is coming to the church, which is sort of unusual for a church to have an exhibit opening. I, it really is. So uh, it's called Icons in Transformation, and it is a traveling art installation that has been in churches and cathedrals throughout Europe and throughout the United States. It's never been to the state of Maryland, however. And uh, a couple years ago, I got an email. And as pastors, we get emails from groups that want to come and sing or, you know, they, they want to share some sort of a, a gift or a talent in the midst of the congregation. And usually I just kind of blow through those. But this one caught my attention. And uh, I'm not sure where uh, Mila and Jan got my name, but it was addressed to me. And so I took a look and it was this uh, uh, traveling art installation called Icons in Transformation. And they shared some pictures and some videos. And I looked and I said, you know, maybe I should write them back. And that's how it started. That's pretty cool. So this is original artwork that's in these boxes. And I thank you guys for trusting me to come in here. (laughs) (laughs) But and this will be installed on easels and the walls and, you know, throughout this room. Uh, No, it's actually going to be much more expansive than just this room. Uh, I anticipate that somewhere between 130 and 150 pieces of artwork, and some of them are rather large, will be exhibited for uh, the community and the congregation to see. And so some of them will be in the sanctuary, some will be in the narthex or lobby, some will be in the staff corridor, and then many will also be in this space. But uh, it, it's uh, there's going to be a lot, lot to take in for people who make the trip, and we hope a lot of people will. Well, the artist behind this is Ludmila Polowska. Yes, if I, if yes. I think I got that right, <laughs> it's close to Polowska, and she is a Swede, but she does have some Ukrainian roots as well. Correct. Uh, she was born in the former Soviet Union, and her mother was Ukrainian, actually. And so, as I understand it, she kind of did state art in the former Soviet Union, but eventually was able to leave. And uh, she immigrated to Sweden, where she's been a citizen for many, many years. And uh, when her mom finally was able to to leave uh, the former Soviet Union and and come to see her, apparently that was a complicated process, but her mom died uh, not too long after that. And deep in grief, she worked some of that out artistically, but she found that her inspiration for much of her artwork came from traditional iconography. So by spending time with the icons, um, then that led to her artistic expressions, and that has just continued forward since that time. And uh, her work is abstract, but I find it to be very powerful. What is the connection between her work? I mean, is it... 
necessarily faith-focused? Or, I mean, what is the connection between the church and her work, other than you've got a space for it and it, and it resonates with you and it resonates with your congregation? Yeah, her, she feels that uh, her artwork, it's appropriate because uh, she hopes to take the viewer into the spiritual dimension to think about the things of the Almighty. And some of it has to do with, for example, you know, her perception of the face of Christ, for example. So she feels that the appropriate place for this to be viewed would be in a church or a cathedral rather than a gallery. And that's why it's traveled for the last 20 years in churches and cathedrals. Interesting. So now, is there a cost to this? I mean, obviously, you guys are bearing some costs, I'm sure, for shipping and stuff like this. But I mean, is does, is there a charge to bring a, an exhibit, traveling exhibit to a location? Well, the way that it works is, you know, there are some shipping costs, things like that. But then uh, all the other costs that are associated with this in terms of, you know, getting the equipment to move it off the truck and scissor lifts and... That's all all on you. It's all on us. Yeah, yeah, correct. And, you know, St. Martin's is a wonderfully uh, generous congregation. So we have some people who are inclined to the arts. And so it was a matter of really just making a few phone calls, and uh, that question was answered. So the outpouring of love and generosity in that respect came together rather quickly. And the next step, of course, is to get all the volunteer power that you need to make something like this happen. And I'm sure it's going to take, at the end of the day, at least 100 people who are volunteering to move these heavy crates. And I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard that we moved 17,000 pounds of artwork off the semi. It sure felt like it while we were doing it. So I don't know. But, uh, you know, then we will have people to help as greeters, as guides. Much of the uh, installation will go up through volunteer power, although uh, we do have some pros coming in to help with the trickier stuff uh, that will hang from the beams in the sanctuary and so forth. This sounds really exciting. I mean, Annapolis is a very strong arts town anyhow. And yeah. so you do have a lot of people that are into that. Now, this exhibit is running for a couple of months now. I mean, it opens April 23rd, I believe. April 23rd. So uh, the exhibit will be open to the public on Sunday afternoons from noon to 2, on Wednesdays from 4 to 7, and Saturdays from 10 to 2. And there are ways that people can, you know, go online. And and uh, our hope is, you know, because they can kind of schedule their tour uh, through sort of an event bright thing, mm-hmm. or they may just want to drop in. But it will help us to prepare for them, you know, if we know that they're coming. But uh, it opens on the 23rd of April, and it goes all the way until the 11th of June. And we were rather intentional about that because when Mila and Jan contacted us, we said, man, you know, Annapolis is always a great town, but there's something special that happens in the spring uh, with May Day, you know, with commissioning week, with all of that. And so I'm excited that we have yet another gift in the midst of all that's happening around here for the community and for people who come from beyond our community to say, hey, you know, I want to go and check this thing out. Well, everybody knows exactly where St. Martin's is. I mean, it's in the corner of Spa Road and Hilltop Lane, or if you're on Forest Drive, maybe it's on Forest Drive, too. That's the school on the Forest Drive side. Right. But it's all one big complex. And if you want to learn more about the exhibit itself, it's uh, stmartinsannapolis.org slash icons, and saint is just S-T. It's the abbreviation. Thanks. Yeah. Um, 
to do that. But this is this is really is this one of I mean I know a lot of churches have had art exhibits before, and I mean they may be student exhibits and everything else like that. But I don't think anybody has done anything quite on this scale before. I I don't know of any congregation that I've been associated with uh, that has. And uh, for that reason, too, I mean, it's kind of, of a novel thing, maybe within this community. It was interesting because as I started to vet this out, I talked to four or five other congregations who had hosted this, even was in Florida right after Christmas to baptize my grandson, but an Episcopal church in St. Petersburg had hosted. And so I called the chair of their committee and said, you know, can I, can I get to know you, buy a cup of coffee and hear about your experience? And uh, Mary Jane Park was uh, the the woman that I spoke with, and she was effusive about the experience. She said, Dave, it's going to be, you know, more work than you even want to think about. And at the end of the day, all of your people will say, we'd do it again in a second because it's so rich, uh, you know, to be able to give this kind of gift away. That's wild. That's wild. Yeah. And, and so far, St. Martin's is the only church or the only place that you can see this in Maryland. Correct. It was just in Pennsylvania. It was up in Waynesboro, Pennsylvania before it came here. And prior to that, it was in York. And uh, so I went to visit the installation in both of those churches. Just again, you know, part of our fact finding and preparation. And it's one thing to see the art on the internet. And it's interesting and all that kind of stuff. But when you're you know, right in front of it, I find it to be, you know, layered. Her use of color is extraordinary. And I think that it stops you in your tracks and it makes you slow down and just look. And the more that I found myself looking at what she did with the colors, with the textures and so forth, I kept seeing new things. So for that reason, selfishly, I'm really excited that it's going to be here for seven weeks because I'm going to know each piece really well by the end of the day. Pastor Dave's going to be coming in on the off days, just yeah, <laughs> diving right. deep into it. It's, you know, I mean, I'm, as I look around at these boxes, I mean, there's there's got to be 40 of them uh, that are around here. So, I mean, I, I do see that it is large artwork. This seems like a very immersive experience. Uh, it's not just a stand back from the wall with your, you know, and scratch your chin and go, hmm, I, you know, I mean, it seems like this is probably similar to the Van Gogh experience that you saw in D.C. or around the country where you're actually being brought into the world of the artist. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. And and I think that, uh, you know, there is an interaction potentially that takes place when one slows down. And, you know, one of the other hopes that I have for this is we're living in such complicated times. Nah. I know, really. <laughs> On so many levels. I mean, you know, coming out of the pandemic and the uh, geopolitical stuff. And I mean, it goes on and on and on. And uh I think that art can be a place where healing and conversation start to happen. And I do think that part of the invitation of this particular artwork might be to invite people to think in terms of the plane of spirituality and God and love. Uh, some of it, I think, invites the viewer to you know, think about human suffering, but then maybe to ask the question to say, you know, where is God in the midst of, of our need and our suffering? So I think that you go pretty deep with this if you take the time to do it. Well, I think it's great that you're bringing this to the benefit of Ukraine. I mean, there's plenty of reasons that we should, you know, just from a basic humanitarian level. And then obviously the artist has roots in Ukraine, both with, you know, herself and I, I think both of her parents were involved there. And, and 
And you had mentioned that her mother had died and that played a big role in this artwork and this exhibition that's going to be here. Yes, as uh, Ludmilla settled in Sweden, she and Jan were there. As you can imagine, you know, getting out of the Soviet Union to go and visit was an extraordinarily mm -hmm. complicated process. And when that finally happened, shortly after her arrival, her mom had a stroke and died. Different people work out their grief different ways, but uh, Mila, who was a child prodigy as an artist in the former Soviet Union, uh, picked up her paintbrush and started and <laughs> she, she started working this out on canvas in ways that I, I think are quite extraordinary. Some of the themes that she captures are light and love and time and spirituality. And you can dial some of those all the way back to that experience. And then I think that you can also juxtapose over top of that some of the other, you know, traumatic places like the war in Ukraine right now that are taking place. So there's a, a depth of spirituality about what she does. Well, the, you know, and light, love, and I mean, those are all concepts that can be interpreted in many different ways as well. And it's interesting to see how I would interpret this coming in and to be able to look and see how Ludmila, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correct, but, you know, interpreted it for herself and her grief with her mother's death. And I mean, we all grieve in, in different ways. And, uh, you know, I guess we can all thank heavens that I didn't decide to get into artwork because I can't even draw a straight <laughs> line. But, that's, uh, you know, but so, and I think it sounds like it's very personal exhibit that's coming here. It's not just somebody that's been sitting in a studio painting, uh, and I'll pick on Van Gogh a little bit, painting sunflowers in a, <laughs> in a field. This is this is real. This is personal for her. Yeah, and one of the things that surprised me, I've only had uh, just just a very brief bit of time with her so far. I'm looking forward to to more time, of course. But you sense a vulnerability about her when you speak with her, because for her, this is coming from her soul. She's putting it on canvas or wood or whatever medium, and she's offering it up as a gift so that others might have their own experience with what she's created. But uh, as I understand it, you know, she almost thinks of, of each one of these pieces that she does as, as a birthing process in and of itself. So it's, it's a very special kind of a gift that, that we'll receive. I have to uh, imagine it's got to be very rewarding for her to see her children, to, you know, go on with the analogy here, and the light, the love, and everything else that she has honoring her mother in these works get the reception that it's getting internationally. I would have to have to agree. I'm I'm sure that is, and uh, and I, I think that uh, her hope is that as people come to see these works, is that uh, simply they bring an openness. Everybody has different mm -hmm. thoughts about artwork, and, and her artwork is it's abstract. Um, I think that it's quite beautiful, as I said before, but I believe that her hope is that you simply come with a, an open heart, open eyes, open mind, and you experience it and, and then see what happens. Art in general, and whether that be, I mean, we just got done with the Annapolis Film Festival. We've got, you know, the symphony with the music. We've got the ballet with the dance and the opera with the music and everything else. And, and certainly any of the visual arts that we've got uh, tend to really cross across all boundaries. Uh, 
we're all sharing a common experience, which is something that, uh, we, quite frankly, we need more of to be able to you know, get in that middle and, and have that conversation. Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day. Many years ago, I went to uh, a gathering. For, it happened to be for Lutheran pastors, but there was a professor from uh, Drew Theological Seminary up in New Jersey, mm-hmm. and his name is Leonard Sweet, and uh, he's kind of a futurist sort of a guy, really a genius. But back then, uh, maybe in the mid-90s, he was talking about how we had all grown up and basically lived in a bell curve world, you know, where you had kind of a big middle class and, you know, uh, where you had mainframe computers and you right. only had five or six network TV stations and all, you know, all that kind of stuff. But he told us, he said, you mark my words. He said, what's about to happen is the bell is about to flip and we're going to be living in a well curve world. And, you know, if you want to talk networks, you know, you can talk whatever, MSNBC, uh, you Fox, know, you know, all that It's kind of- so funny that you say that because I have said this to my kids and to my girlfriend and to everybody. I said, you know, we have no, from a political standpoint, anyhow, there used to be like the, the middle of the roads. Right. And there are some that like leaned a little to the right, leaned a little bit to the left. And, right. and they, they pretty much got along and they could sit there and they could argue, the politicians could argue across the line. But we've slowly gotten to this point as you said, with the well curb, right. you've got the right over here and the left over here. And, yep. and, and his challenge back then, I mean, you know, he was just spot on. He said, it's going to be the job of the church to figure out where the middle is. And he was suggesting at the time that the middle was going to be in acts of, you know, love and charity. Uh, you know, you think of places like the Lighthouse that do such great ministry. doesn't matter where you come from politically or anything like that. We have neighbors in need. We roll up our sleeves. We help them. I mean, there are wonderful pop-up pantries and, you know, all kind of good things in our community where faith communities are invested in that way. And I think, you know, in my mind, I'm hoping that this might be along those same lines to say wherever you come from, and not only politically, but wherever you come from, that this might be a place where you come, you experience the art, you think about it in terms of, you know, spirituality and your story, and then that opens the door for conversation. Um, and whenever you have one of those conversations with somebody else, and, you know, you do it in a spirit of respect, then I think you get a little bit closer, and maybe you take a step forward. I don't disagree with that at all. And I think that, you know, you turn around and you say that regardless of what what denomination you may be as far as religious or non, you know, the church's job, love and compassion, you know, I guess are, are the core tenets of any church. Sure. Yeah. And I hope that some of the people who come through, you know, say, hey, you know, faith really hasn't been part of my life ever or for a long time. And maybe this will give pause to say, you know, maybe I want to explore that that part within me. If that results in people, you know, coming to St. Martin's to see what worship is like here, great, I'll do a cartwheel. Uh, if they end up uh, at, at another, you know, there's so many great faith communities in our area. Um, so it's really not about us. It's more about them and a gift that might be waiting. And, and if this sparks that in, you know, even just a couple people, great. Well, it is. It's all about finding the home for you. Right. And, sure. you know, you've got the vibe just doesn't feel right. I know when my kids were young and we were, we were shopping churches, there was one church and the kid got bussy and the, the pastor was in between, the minister was in between his things. He says, 
would you mind waiting out in the narthex till the child calms down? And that sort of put my wife and my, you know, really off. Contrasted to a different church, and there was another baby screaming, not mine this time, but it right. was uh, going on. And the the minister was like, this is great. Listen to this young baby just screaming out in joy or whatever, uh-huh. and, and really sort of flipped it around. Yeah. And so you found your comfort level with the church, and whether that be with the, you know, with the pastor, with the congregation, sure. with the, the building itself, uh, yeah. you know, there's all sorts of different things that you've got. And I think what you're bringing here is just phenomenal. Um, is there an admission to get into this? There's not. Um, people will have the opportunity to make a free will offering if sure. they'd like to do that, which will be great. And, uh, you know, one thing that I also would say is that uh, Mila's artwork is available for people who want to buy it. And 100% of her proceeds go to help Ukrainian refugees. Oh, so it's, it's kind of a, you know, it's a win, win, win. And Jan and Ludmilla were just in Poland and they were working to, because they're Swedish citizens, my understanding is that they were there and they were part of the process of helping some of the displaced Ukrainian refugees make their way to resettle in Sweden. You know, so you talk about a heart of gold. Um, and so, you know, the artwork ranges in in price. I mean, these are masterpieces, but I expect that people in the community, there might be some who say, I, I have fallen in love with that and I'd really like to have that. So, you know, we'll see. That, uh, no, is that when you say this for sale, I mean, like off the wall for sale or like she would, a print or? A- it, no, no, it's off the wall. Um, I think the way that it, it tends to work is people identify a piece that they would like to purchase and then they actually get it at the end of the uh, installation itself. Okay, so they bring but, the. Yeah. Bring, bring, bring the station wagon up, load it up and, right. <laughs> and exactly. take it off. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Now, is there anything else that's going on in conjunction with this? I know that art exhibits and stuff like that typically will have like an opening uh, reception or something along sure. those lines. Yeah. We're having a, a congregational uh, grand kickoff kind of thing, you know, where our bishop will be there and, uh, you know, some local members of the community will be there along with the congregation. Most importantly, the artists will be there. And uh, so that's coming just before we open up to the public. And then during the expanse of uh, of the seven weeks that we have it, we have also two concerts scheduled. The one is Wednesday, May the 10th at 7 p.m. And Tom Kiesecker will be here. And uh, he is a Christian musician who... I think the best way for me to describe it, it's sort of like uh, George Winston pulled out a hymnal and did uh, kind of interpretations okay. of, he, he's so great. We've had Tom here before and we love Tom and he's a poet and he is uh, just a brilliant musician. So I, I hope everybody comes just to uh, be blessed by Tom. And then on uh, Sunday, May 21st, right at the beginning of commissioning week at 3 p.m., uh, Monty Maxwell from the Naval Academy will be on our organ bench to present a special concert then. And with both of these things, you know, we want people to come for the music and stay for the visual arts as well. So that's another on-ramp uh, wherein we hope people will just come. We also hope that schools, community organizations, churches right. will set up times for special tours should they so desire. I think right now, even though we're still s- some weeks away, we already have several churches, one as far away as Silver Spring, who've called to say, hey, you know, we have a busload of seniors. Can we come? You bet. We will welcome everybody. That's wonderful. Well, I, I want to talk a little bit about 
St. Martin's as a, as a church as opposed to an art gallery. Sure, for a of little course. Bit. Yeah. Um, and, and you've been here for about 10 years now, right? Yeah, 10 years in August. Hard to believe. Congratulations. Thanks. Best place you've ever been? Uh, well, I, I have loved every church and every duty station I've had with the Navy, but uh, could I be any more fulfilled or joy-filled about being in, at St. Martin's? I could not. I love this place. I really do. That's awesome. Yeah, be- best people. I mean, you know, it's wonderful. And and as as I was sharing with you earlier, we love the Annapolis community, too. It's a special community. It, it really it, is. It, it really is. Now, how old is this? How old is this congregation in the church? So next year, we'll celebrate 150 years of our life here in Annapolis. Not here. Not here. Okay. Uh, originally, we were down on Francis Street, uh, very close proximity to the state capitol. It was determined back in the 60s that a uh, little bit more room to stretch out and uh, expand the ministry was called for. And so uh, the Bought moon, some farmland, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, and, you know, through the years, things like this fellowship hall have been added and so forth. The school came into existence in the mid-60s as well. Well, okay, the school, too. They're associated, I mean, they're, you're separate entities, correct? Well, the the ministry of the school is under the umbrella of the church. It's a ministry of St. Martin's Lutheran Church. Okay. Yeah. And we have uh, 145 kids, pre-K three, all the way up through eighth grade. And it's a special place. The kids make it special first and foremost, but uh, the the teachers are such a dedicated group of people who encourage academic excellence, but also they love the kids, uh, which is what you would expect. I'm blessed because I get to lead chapel every Wednesday morning. So they have, the kids have a Christian experience here in that scripture is shared, uh, Christian songs and hymns are shared. And uh, sometimes the kids take responsibility for parts of the chapel service as well. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good place. That's wonderful right. school. And they've got a new headmaster too. Yeah. Um, Patrick Kiley is our head of school. And that's why they don't call him headmasters anymore. Head of school. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and Patrick is dynamic. Uh, and one thing I will say is, you know, uh, one of his real specialties, he's got a lot of them, is when people call with questions and want to take a tour of the school and just find out more, he is the guy. I hope I'm not wrong on this, but I do believe that during COVID, uh, St. Martin's was one of the leaders as far as being able to remain open and taking the steps they needed to do to ensure the safety. And every, when everyone was like, you know, scrubbing their bananas when they went grocery shopping. Correct. Yeah. And again, I would say that uh, the credit is due to Patrick uh, and the board of directors of the school. They navigated that extraordinarily well by being current on what was happening and what the, the safest practices and protocols were. And so we opened successfully, we stayed open successfully, and we stayed ahead of the curve the whole time. And for a lot of kids, that made a big difference because uh, being educated at home on a, you know, a Zoom screen or whatever, that's tough for some people. And so uh, our enrollment actually went up at that time. And uh, I think that we were able to offer a meaningful gift to the community. I know, I know other schools were, were doing similar things, but uh, but I was proud of, of how we were able to do that. It was it was a challenging time, and, I, and there's been some good things that came out of it. I know in the public schools, they found out that some kids actually thrived on the screens. Mm-hmm. So now there's a whole separate curriculum that is purely Zoomish, Zoom based. Right. Right. Not not my kind of a thing, but anyhow, um, you know, you talked about you know doing the chapel for the school on Wednesdays, and you get to do that and. 
Uh, before I got here, I Googled you, and I understand that you are an author as well. Yeah, I, uh, so many years ago, uh, I, I had a sleepless night and uh, woke up, and it, in the Lutheran uh, church, Martin Luther, back in the 1500s, rewrote the baptismal liturgy, and part of that is what we call the flood prayer. And within the flood prayer, there's a part where it talks about the great flood in mm-hmm. in Genesis, and, uh, and basically Luther relates that cleansing to one of the gifts that comes to people in baptism. So anyway, I went to my computer and I sat down. And I had Noah on my mind, and I started to type and rhyme. And uh, one thing led to the next, and a little book called Good Brother No was born. And I put it in my desk drawer and it sat there for a long time. And when the pandemic hit, I told my wife, I said, you know, if I'm ever going to actually do something with this book, now's probably the time to give it a go. So I dusted it off. I found an illustrator in Romania of all places. And we worked kind of uh, at a a long distance. And uh, then I floated it to a hybrid publisher and said, and they said, yeah, you know, we kind of like it. Let's uh, chase this thing down. So uh, it was released in December of 2021. And it's been fun for me. Good. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great. And I hope that it blesses kids. And, uh, you know, it's kind of got a a bouncy rhythm to it. And uh, is there another book in the future? Maybe, maybe. I've learned a lot by doing this one. Uh, I have some ideas. I, I do some kid-friendly uh, Christmas Eve things, and some of those might translate into another kid's book at some point. Interesting. The accidental author. A That's bit. right, exactly. Uh, there was a gentleman I talked to who lives out in Davidsville named Jeff Gunhus. Sure, he's a member of the church. Do you know, do you know him? Yeah, he's a member of St. Oh, Martin's. Okay, okay, great. Well, you know, you know a story about when how he got to be the author is his kids hated to read, so he made a book, a kid's book, with his kids in the thing, and now he's got gazillions of books. Yeah, and, you know, Jeff was was a guy, you know, as I was working through this process, I'm so, like, can I get a little bit of advice? And he's <laughs> such a wonderful guy. And, of course, people see him around town in coffee shops working on his next right. uh, masterpiece. He's fabulous. Yeah, no, no, it was a great discussion we had with him as far as how it, how it got started and then, yeah. you know, the self-publishing. We got all into the whole Google self, or uh, Amazon self-publishing and, right. you know, and, and he's, he's beyond that at this point now with the thrillers and everything else that he's doing. Absolutely. So it's kind of interesting to see. Yeah, he's, a, he's not only a gift to the community, he's a gift to the world, really. Yeah, and again, another accidental author. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, what would most people be surprised to know about St. Martin's, the church or the school? I don't know. You know, I'm not sure what people project onto a church or a school community when they look at it. I think, you know, sometimes people don't know how they're going to be received if they show up at a place for the first time. I hear, uh, I think universally, when people show up here, they are surprised by how universally welcomed they feel. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are. We are thankful that you come, and uh, we see people showing up for worship, for example, as a gift from God to us. And I hope I'm right on that. You know, I'm biased. I think St. Martin's is the greatest place in the world. But um, I, I think that I'm right, that, that people would say that is genuinely a, a place that cares. I think human nature, when you go into a strange environment, and whether that be I've got to go to your works Christmas party right. or, you know, <laughs> yeah. or you know, anything like that. You're going into, you know, move into a new town and you go into your first day on the job or the school or whatever it is. People are, 
you know, they go into their own little shell. And it's it's very awkward for most people. Even the most extroverted yeah. feels awkward. So when you have a welcoming type of an environment, yeah. it's, it's, pardon the pun, but it's a godsend. It truly is. And it doesn't take a lot. I remember uh, I was traveling one time, and of course, I'm a pretty outgoing guy. But I went to this church, and, you know, I was trying to make eye contact and, you know, just have any kind of a connection, and I wasn't getting any love. And finally, a guy came up to me. It was one of the ushers. He didn't look at me. He didn't say anything to me. He was looking straight ahead, and he went, bam. He just, like, gave me a, a, a fist bump into my shoulder. Mm-hmm. And that's all I needed. I was like, all right, somebody noticed. No. Um, here at St. Martin's, I think we do a lot more than that. People will say, hey, you know, we're glad you came. What's your name? You know, what's your story? All that kind of stuff. We hope you come back. And I always tell people, if you come back and St. Martin's works for you, wonderful. If not, I know a lot of other really good churches in the community, and let's find the place where the Holy Spirit wants you to go. And I mean that when I when I talk to people about that. Sure, makes sense. Well, Come and visit the exhibition. It is Icons and Transformation. It opens April 23rd through June 11th here at St. Martin's Church, right at the corner of Spa and Hilltop or Spa and uh, Forest Drive. It's right around there. And you can get more information at stmartinsannapolis.org. And you can put a slash icons on the back of that to go right to the exhibition information. But learn a little bit more about the church and some of the churches and the places of worship that we have here. Come visit, come worship. Come meet the people. Come visit and get educated. Come visit and get immersed in some wonderful artwork that's going to be here. And I thank you so much for your time today, Pastor Dave. And uh, again, we're here with Pastor Dave Orebeck, who is the, there's a word like a, like a septuagenarian, but the the. the Decadarian pastor. <laughs> been been here for 10 years. That's <laughs> been, right. Been here for 10 years leading St. Martin's Church. And uh, thank you so much. And thank you for bringing this this to us. I think this is, uh, is going to be a huge success. I'm looking forward to coming in on, I don't know whether it'll be the 23rd, but definitely um, through those several weeks that it's here. And I'm looking forward to seeing what's in these boxes that are <laughs> all yeah. surrounding us. But thank you so much. Thank you very much. I really appreciate this. This has been a bonus podcast from Ion Annapolis. Please visit us at ionannapolis.net. Follow us on Facebook at All Annapolis and on Twitter at Ion Annapolis. And if you haven't subscribed to the Daily News Brief podcast, go for it. And all of your local news will be delivered to your phone, tablet, or smart device by 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday.